Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Now, real quick, before I pass it over to Nikki for today's true crime headlines, I do just want to give a quick shout out to a listener who gifted me a bottle of wine to enjoy as we record this week. So if anybody else would like a glass of wine, this is a red blend from Trader Joe's. Um, I just want to give a thank you to Nellie, who is a listener and um, a coworker of mine at my day job. And um, when she handed me the bottle, she said, this is for you to uh, to drink while you are recording your podcast. And I would be listening to uh, listening to hear about it. So, so oh, thank you. Her. Yeah. So thank you to Nellie. I appreciate it. We appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very, very delicious. So I, yes, I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. So thank you so kindly. So yeah. I was going to say, I was, I was really excited because uh, I have been drinking a little bit of Jameson and I totally did our um, intro with uh, nothing. I remembered it. With no notes. With no notes. Maybe I should drink more. Look at us. No script. Right? No script intro, yo. We're getting there. We're, We're getting there. We are slowly but surely getting there. It's only taking us till episode, what is this, 16? For us. To, oh, yeah. This is episode 21. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way off. Um, the Well, hey, the podcast is legal to drink. This is episode yeah. 21. My, my coworker did Happy say, birthday. she goes, like we were talking about how we introduced true crime headlines and she's like what you guys are only on what like three or four and i was like girl have you not been listening like and subscribe and look for the notifications i said rude um okay (laughs) so without further ado after we've done uh berating our listeners for not knowing what episode we're on or co-hosts apparently we love you um (laughs) but we love you anyway um i'm going to pass it over to nikki for tonight's true crime headlines yeah so my first one is from Oxygen. Uh, it was posted February 3rd, 2021. Okay. All right. And it says, uh, visibly proud Florida man calls 911 for a ride home. Repeatedly. And like he thought it was like a taxi? So Matthew uh, Liam uh, was in fact eventually picked up after his emergency calls and brought to jail. Of course he was. So it says by now most people have heard about the Florida man joke, which yes, Florida man is like we're fully aware. Yes, we know. Yeah. It seems like every headline featuring the words Florida man will be followed by an incredibly bizarre phrase. Mm-hmm. One Florida man, however, did not let the jokes about his state dimin- uh, diminish his pride. So he has a very prominent tattoo of the Florida state outline on his face <gasps> and was charged on Sunday morning in Pasco County for misuse of the 911 system and possession of marijuana. I love him. The 22-year-old, or sorry, yeah, 22-year-old had called 911 twice in order to find a ride home and swore repeatedly at the operator while doing so. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's a treat. Uh, God bless you, sir. Newport Ritchie. I was going to say I'm not slightly shocked. Hey, which also I that's feel a like, weird spot for it. Yeah, I feel like if you also get face tattoos, you should probably... I mean, I'm hoping. First of all, he, think about it first. <laughs> well, and I would hope that he has a lot more tattoos elsewhere. I know a lot of my friends who are tattooers. Mm-hmm. Um, they refuse to tattoo anybody's hands or face unless they are like heavily tattooed, already. heavily tattooed, or know what they're going to do in their life. Yeah. So, 
I mean, that's yeah. an aggressive Florida map directly in the middle of his forehead. Yeah. Like, like I think thought, of, I thought it was a joke, but it was real. No, that's legit. So, like, think of where Charles Manson had his X slash swastika carved into his forehead. That is exactly where this gentleman has a fully colored in oh, yeah. outline of the state of Florida, and it even kind of travels onto like that would the bridge of his nose. Actually, like hurt. Oh, really that, bad. I mean, it can't feel good because I got my knee done, and that hurt. So, like, I feel like your forehead would just, uh, but yeah, gross. Barf. Sorry, not gr- not gross. Tattoos aren't gross. No, but like, like art. Just like, the I'm feeling barf of, of that. The, the hurt. Yeah, like, the that's hurt. Like pain sick. Yeah. So Ouch. that was my first true crime headline. So of course, anytime I see Florida, I'm like, click mine. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the second one, I saw this the other day, and I was like, what in the frick? Um, so February 2nd, 2021, mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson, who once said he fantasized about smashing mm-hmm. Evan uh, Richard. Or, oh, my God, Richard. <sighs> Where did that come from? I don't know. Evan Rachel Wood's skull in with a sledgehammer <sighs> denies abuse. Did you see any of this? I did. Okay. So and I think Rose- he, he had said it. He had said it in an interview, mm-hmm. which I'm like, I don't. Even Rose McGowan came out and released a statement as well. It's, uh, this is good. I think this is going to be like, a messy one. Oh, yeah. He literally said in the interview, I have fantasized, uh, I have fantasies every day about smashing her skull in with a sledgehammer. That is not something romantic to say. That's like really f- disturbing. Disturbing like, is probably the most mild thing that you oh, can yeah. say about that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Sorry. Yeah, I can't I can't even begin there. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not even gonna get into that. Yeah, we're not, not gonna get into I'm that. I'm not one. gonna jump down that rabbit hole. <laughs> That's a Yeah. Oh, so anyways, mm. I'm gonna send it off to Charlie. All right. Charlie bit my finger. Yes. Oh, sorry. Charlie. <laughs> I forgot oh, all about Charlie. that until now. Wow. Really? Yes. Every time I hear the name Charlie, that's what I think of. I will say, so like, obviously, I'm a Charlie. My mom is a Linda, and she also, she can't stand the YouTube that, Linda, listen, she gets all annoyed. Listen, Linda. Because people say that to her all the time, and it drives her crazy. I also can't stand the Charlie bit my finger. Drives me crazy. And it's fine. I'm doing the TikTok TikTok embarrassed face. You, uh, You didn't know. I didn't know. But now you know. But now I know, and so, I won't ever. I won't this ever will serve again. as your warning. <laughs> huh. All right. So tonight's bed crime story yes. is I've titled it "The Mysterious Deaths at Spreckles Mansion." So it's uh, fairly recent. It's within the last uh, twenty years. Um, you may know this one. It is slightly famous. Is this? Um, so I'll just let will, you tell the story. Thank you. So we will uh, begin now. My sources for the story are Wikipedia. Of oh course. yeah. Um, and the thing that I love about Wikipedia, obviously, besides it just being like Wikipedia and kind of boss, is the thing that I love about Wikipedia is I also can use the sources from Wikipedia to find more details. So Wikipedia as a source for sources is like primo, primo, primo. Charlie is like literally so in depth with her sources. I try. I try. I, I, I try my best, but I'm not I'm not that great. I try. So my primary source is Wikipedia. Um, I also found some information from the San Diego Reader. 
is the name of the periodical. Um, also from oxygen.com, heavy.com. I love oxygen. And then I also found information from one of my favorite YouTube channels, Bailey Sarian, Ooh. from her Murder Mystery Makeup Mondays series on YouTube. So, even if you are not a makeup person, I highly recommend going to she's YouTube. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. I highly recommend going to YouTube, subscribing to Bailey Sarian if you have not already. She is a sensation on YouTube, so I highly doubt anybody listening to us is not already listening to Bailey or paying attention to Bailey. She's phenomenal. I love her. She's funny. She's clever. She's smart. She's so effing talented and beautiful. And I love you, Bailey. And you liked my comment on her YouTube video the other day. And I like totally fangirled out for a moment. Yes, I'm almost 40. Don't even care. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into the story. So we begin our story. I'm going to introduce you to, um, I guess, our main character. And her name is Rebecca Zahau. And Rebecca Zahau was born on March 15th, 1979 in Burma. After living in both Nepal and Germany for a time, Rebecca moved with her family to the U.S. when she was around 22 years old. Rebecca's family and most of her parents and most of her family live in Missouri. And she wound up settling in Arizona, where she worked as an ophthalmic technician. Okay. Isn't that the people that look at your eyeballs? Yes. Oh, your glasses. Glasses. Well, she's from an ophthalmologist. So those are the ones that do more uh, specialist cases for your eyes. So usually like cataracts or or things of that nature. So she was a technician ophthalmologist um, office. In 2008, Rebecca began dating a gentleman named Jonah Shacknai. And Jonah Shacknai was the CEO of Medici Pharmaceutical. Now, Medici, Medici's Pharmaceutical is, is spelled M-E-D-I-C-I-S. I did a couple of Google searches of how to pronounce this because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't saying it wrong. Google's never right. Okay. Well, and this is What's also part of the it, problem. Like if you do the Google Translate for you. Well, and this is also part of the problem. So it's Medici's Pharmaceutical. It's M-E-D-I-C-I-S. So when you're thinking about a pharmaceutical company, you're thinking medical. So I was actually at first thinking like Medicus or Medicis, right? But apparently... Medici's is an Italian noble family <laughs> that produced three popes, Leo X, Leo XI, and Clement VII, and two queens of France, Catherine de Medici's and Marie de Medici's. So, is it Medici's pharmaceutical? Shacknai doesn't sound like an Italian last name, but who am I to judge? I don't know. He could be Italian. It's okay. That's fine. Um, but... Is it Medici's? Is it Medicis? I don't know. Pharmaceutical company, CEO. That's all we need to know, right? But I went like into like a weird deep hole of trying to figure out how the hell to pronounce this. So uh, you're welcome. So Jonah was the ninth highest paid CEO living in Arizona. He earned $6.4 million in 2010. He had two previous marriages before meeting Rebecca. His first marriage resulted in a divorce and a three-year custody fight over the couple's two children. And he also had a son named Max Shacknai, who was born on June 7th, 2005, with his second wife, Dina Romano. Now, Dina Romano, that's an Italian last name. So, I don't know, maybe he named it Medici's. Maybe she's like a descendant of the Medici's. Again, 
I really don't know. Am I the expert? Am I a historian? Those are both two no's. Okay. So the events of our story, as mentioned before, are going to take place at the Spreckles Mansion in Coronado, California. So even though these are all um, residents of Arizona, the mansion in Coronado was used as a summer estate by Jonah Shackney. The mansion, again, I went like on a weird deep dive researching the mansion now too. The mansion is named after one of its prominent early residents, John Dietrich Spreckles, a transportation and real estate mogul at the turn of the century. Apparently, Mr. Spreckles was like the founder of the San Diego Railroad Company. So, interesting. Also, imagine being rich enough to be able to name your mansion. Right? Like, I'm so important that I just happen to live here, and now it's called the Spreckles Mansion. Like, what would I call my house? Uh, Nikki Manor. Yeah. I like it. That fits. I like it. Get a sign. And you could do Charlie's Chateau. Charlie's Chateau. Thanks, Jovi. I like Charlie's Chateau. We're using it. Uh, R with a circle. Trademark. That's Mm -hmm. ours. Okay. Um, so according to (laughs) realtor.com... Sorry. The property property has a total of 10 bedrooms, eight and a half bathrooms, a four car garage, an enclosed courtyard and a pool with a spa. Why? The bedroom bathroom count is spread out amongst three dwellings on the property. The main house with four bedrooms, a guest house with three bedrooms and a one bedroom apartment over the garage. I've always wanted one of those. though. I will say that it was last sold in November 2020 for a cool 11 million dollars. Fucking change. Yeah, I know. Let me write you a check for the down payment. I got you. Again, I just need like 200, 200,000. That's it. I know. Just give me that. I know. Hook me up, Shaq Nine. I'm also Um, eating Starburst in the background. I'm sorry. It's okay. So here we go. Here are the events of our story. On July 11th, 2011. Okay. So almost 10 years ago, Rebecca... Rebecca's a how mentioned earlier, her younger sister and Jonah's six-year-old son, Max, were all together at the house. At one point during the afternoon while he was playing in the house, Max fell headfirst over the railing of the second floor near the staircase. Rebecca was in the bathroom at the time. She heard commotion and found Max just a few minutes after he or a few moments after he fell. He had suffered injuries to both his facial bones and his spinal cord and was struggling to breathe. Rebecca's sister called 911. When first responders arrived at the scene, Max was not breathing. He was unresponsive and he was rushed to Rady Children's Hospital in critical condition. He was eventually moved to the Ronald McDonald House nearby for observation. Max's mother, Dina, called on her twin sister, Nina, to sit with her and support her while she sat at Max's side at the hospital. And Jonah called his brother, Adam, to fly in to be there with the family as well. So the day after Max's accident, Rebecca drove to the airport to drop her sister off to send her back to Missouri. And um, she also was there to pick up Adam Shacknai as he arrived from Memphis, where he worked as a tugboat pilot on the Mississippi River for 28 years. Now, Oxygen.com says pilot. I would have probably went with operator or captain, but Oxygen says pilot, Charlie says pilot. So after leaving the airport, 
Rebecca, Jonah, and Adam go out to dinner. And after they were done with dinner, they dropped Jonah back off at the hospital. And Rebecca and Adam made their way back to the Spreckles mansion for the night. So Adam headed, headed over to the guest house and Rebecca returned to the main house. Um, okay, so the next morning, July 13th, 2011, at approximately 6.45 in the morning, Adam states that he finds Rebecca's nude body hanging from a balcony of the main residence. Her ankles and wrists were bound with her hands tied behind her back. She had a blue long sleeve t-shirt wrapped around her head that was also being used to gag her. The sleeves were double knotted and stuffed into her mouth. Adam called 911 at 6.48 a.m. and sent a text to his brother to let him know what was going on at the house. So he runs in the house, he gets a knife, he gets a three-legged stool, and he runs outside to cut Rebecca down before first responders even show up. He actually did attempt to give her CPR, um, and when first responders get there, they also attempt to revive her. They were unsuccessful, and unfortunately, she was pronounced dead at the scene. So police run forensic and toxicology tests on her body as part of the autopsy standard routine to determine the cause of death. Um, Foul play was suspected early on in the investigation, but no other DNA besides Rebecca's was actually found at the scene. So there was no physical evidence pointing to anybody else being present around Rebecca at the time of her death. Um, on September 2nd, the San Diego County Sheriff's Department formally announced that they're finding support that Rebecca had committed suicide. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-mm. Now, before I move forward, real quick, before I move forward with the mysterious circumstances kind of surrounding Rebecca's death, I do want to make mention that Max Shacknai did pass away due to his injuries on July 16th, 2011, only five days after he fell. So um, after he fell seven weeks later, they uh, did investigate and ruled his death as an accident. Um, Basically, what they had determined was that Max was running down the second story hallway at the top of the stairs. He went over the railing, falling towards the first floor. They said that he either hit the chandelier that was hanging like over the stairwell, he either hit it on his way down or he tried to grab it to break his fall on the way down. But either way, he went over the banister, hit the a second part of the banister because it was a spiral staircase mm-hmm. on his way down and then fell to the floor below. Um They don't know what happened to cause him to fall, but the family dog and a soccer ball were near the stairs, so he may have tripped over one of them. The chandelier actually did wind up falling, but it fell on the floor beside him, so it was not, it did not seem to be a circumstance in his injuries. So I I do normally feel as though when we're dealing with a death like Rebecca's, where there's so many questions and it's kind of so like, traumatic and sensational and everybody is concerned about what happened and it's so mysterious that Mac sometimes gets lost in all of it Mm -hmm. and I just you know losing Max is equally a tragedy um or as much so sometimes kind of well I don't want to say if not more because that's not true but Max is definitely his death is also a tragedy and I don't ever want him to feel like he gets lost in the drama of what happened to Rebecca. So I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned what happened to him to, you know, kind of pay him proper respect in the, in the story. So, um, and that was, like I said, back in July, not long after the, the accident happened. So How old was he again? six. 
He was six years old. Yeah. So Rebecca's autopsy reveals that there were four instances of head trauma and there are conflicting explanations as to what could have caused this, these areas of trauma on her head. So the San Diego medical examiner states that because there was evidence that Rebecca didn't fall over the balcony straight vertically, so she didn't just drop from the balcony, um, which could have happened if she was thrown or if she jumped, because you figure you're not going to just like fall down. You're going to kind of launch yourself yeah. down or somebody's going to throw you down. So again, not proof positive that somebody else did it. So just kind of putting that out there. But because there was evidence that she didn't fall over the balcony completely vertical, there's a good chance that she may have struck her head on the balcony on the way down. Uh, Werner Spitz, who is the legendary, wonderful, amazing forensic pathologist who I love so dearly, um, famous for investigating such high-profile cases as the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. He was a consultant in the investigation of the death of JonBenet Ramsey. He testified at the trials of O.J. Simpson, Phil Spector, Casey Anthony. Imagine being how amazing. Ugh, Werner Spitz. I love him so much. Real quick side note, but about Werner Spitz, so it's kind of on topic. There's a documentary on HBO called Something's Wrong with Aunt Diane. It's very upsetting. I recommend watching it because it was good and interesting, but it's very upsetting. Um, And he's in the documentary. And I got very excited when I was watching it because I was watching it, getting ready for bed. And I heard his voice. I'm like, Werner Spitz! And I really excited and i'm like wow i'm a werner spitz fangirl apparently so anyway werner spitz said that um he would agree that or that theory of hitting the balcony on the way down is definitely a possibility stating that quote when the body first dropped she doesn't necessarily jump to her death so she would drop directly downward and she could have easily hit against the side of the structure structure from which she was hanging um, however, he does note that to draw stronger conclusions, he would, of course, prefer to have seen what the body looked like before the wrist bindings were removed. So thank you, Adam. So um, forensic consultant Dr. Maurice Godwin, however, doubted that theory, stating the chances of bumping into the railing, railing going over the balcony and hitting your head four times is highly unlikely. So as much as I love Werner Spitz and apparently... I'm part of his fan club, and I was not even aware of that. I'll get you um, a t-shirt. <laughs> no, I'm going to get it. Right Werner over. Spitz is my homeboy. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I got that. a cricket. I will make it. I do. I, I love it. I, I, I adore him. Um, I'll do it. I know some people love themselves some Dr. Michael Bodden. Like, my sister loves Dr. Michael Bodden. She's her favorite. The fact that we have favorite forensic pathologists is a little strange, but, you know. You get it if you're listening to this. You do it. Right. Exactly. She loves Dr. Michael Bodden. I'm a Spitz girl. <laughs> so anyway, I don't have a I don't have a favorite. Yet. Like, oh, I want a shirt that says Spitz is my shits. Okay, now that makes it sound like he yeah. makes me have to poop. Okay, anyway, oh yeah, let's continue. Anyway, Spitz Spitz gives me. The, I didn't think the that shits. until you said that, but you know, <gasps> ooh ooh ooh, because he's how about Spitz makes me Spitz. Yiddish yeah. for like he gets me yes. awful clumped, which is also Yiddish. Okay. Anyway, um, where am I? Oh, so even though I'm a Spitz fangirl, I actually tend to align with with Dr. Godwin here of I find it, and again, not a professional, obviously, but I find it hard to believe that even when you're jumping, you would bump up 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 like the same structure four times. Would there be hmm? 
I don't want to be graphic because we are talking about a real person, but you know, would there be bouncing? Would there be, you know what I'm saying? Like, could that be possible? What I mean, that, again, what is that word called? It's like, my thing is if she jumped off the top of the stairwell, which I don't believe said it was no balcony. balcony. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, were there stairs anywhere? Was it just Mm-mm. the balcony? It was a balcony, like, off the window. Like, you would get, like, a hotel. Okay, so are they saying that when she jumped, maybe she, like, because even when you something falls and it's attached, it will bounce. Mm-hmm. Not, but, like, yeah. so... I don't know. I don't know if it would be, that she would bounce four times, though. But that's Maybe what I'm saying. Once. Like, yeah, Maybe agreed. Once. Agreed. It's definitely, um, again, not even the least bit educated enough to make an educated guess. Mm-hmm. I'm making a incredibly uneducated guess, truthfully. Sorry, um, I'm like, I got to look at the mansion really quick. It's beautiful. Because we keep talking about the balcony, and I'm just like, I need to see what this balcony looks like. Um, if you just do, like, Rebecca's a how crime scene, you see the balcony. Oh, okay, hold on. You know her spirits in that house. Oh, that's why I'm like... I'm like, anybody who wants to buy that house for $11 you're going to be fucking haunted. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful, though. Like... I mean, that's fine. I'll burn some sage. I'm there with good intentions. I'll hang hang out with you, Rebecca. We'll do our makeup together or something. We'll be friends. But that mansion's real fucking nice. Even after all of this investigating and after all of these multiple red flags and a lot of questions surrounding the circumstances of Rebecca's death, the uh, San Diego Police Department did come out and say that they were qualifying Rebecca's death as a suicide, which is very surprising and fake news. <laughs> it's very surprising. It's It was definitely shocking. I don't think anybody... Again, like I said, from the very beginning, people were really suspecting that there was going to be foul play um, involved. Um, So to hear that they were qualifying it as a suicide was very surprising, to say the least. So a second autopsy was conducted at the request of Rebecca's family. That pathologist testified that he believed the trauma to Rebecca's throat was more likely caused by manual strangulation and not by suicidal hanging. Mm -hmm. He also concluded that Rebecca's death was a homicide. But because San Diego had already closed the case and it was written on her death certificate as a suicide, they couldn't change it. Um, And because this was like a private autopsy, the official autopsy. But it's uh, like someone. A suicide. So if if someone like in this example, wouldn't then they go back and relook at it? So I don't know exactly what would have to happen for it to be requalified. I don't know if the official county pathologist would have to be the one to renege on their own finding and say, no, I was wrong. It actually is truly homicide or there would have to be additional evidence that was found to rule it a homicide. Yeah. Um, But in this case, because it was a private autopsy and not a official autopsy, they were keeping it as as it stood as a suicide and not as a homicide. So Mm -hmm. I realized I turned my head as I continue talking. I apologize for that. If the sound just went funky, that's that was Charlie's bad. She apologizes. She is me. Okay. Um, do we do boop beep bop questions surrounding the fact that 
and the way that Rebecca's hands and feet were bound were also raised by the family, obviously, right? So it seems uh, sensational that she would have been able to tie herself up as tightly and in the way that she was. San Diego Sheriff Roy Frank states, however, that there are documentations of incidents throughout the country where people have secured their feet and hands as well to commit suicide, basically to prevent themselves from changing their minds. So I am going to commit suicide. Um, I know commit suicide isn't technically the way that we like to talk about it. It is death by suicide. But of course, we're talking about it in these terms. Um, I hang myself and then I have second thoughts. If I have my hands unbound, I can pull myself up. I can get myself out of this in some way. Um, People will tie their hands behind their back in order to prevent them from having second thoughts and from preventing from them from dying. So or preventing them from saving themselves. So that is where San Diego Sheriff was saying that this is what Rebecca was doing. So police reenacted the scenario using a um, sheriff's deputy that was about the same size and stature as Rebecca. And she was able to show in a video demonstration that she could wrap the rope around her hand several times in front of her, then slip one hand out of the binding, place her hands behind her back, rebind them, and then tighten the ropes with the aid of a string similar to the one that they found in Rebecca's hands. So basically what they're saying is this person was able to replicate it using the exact same material that Rebecca had at her in her on her person. So it is possible. You know, I would believe it was a death by suicide if she wasn't naked. We'll be getting there shortly. And I agree. That's with you. the part that upsets me because it's like even if you would want to pass like you wouldn't want to be so disrespectful to your own body, body. to like. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. And we will get there. And this is actually a very interesting note. So Anne Bremner, who was an attorney um, at the time who was hired by Rebecca's family, she also found it very odd that Rebecca's hair was tucked under the rope. She noted that many people, specifically women with medium to long hair, will commonly pull their hair out from under the rope in a suicide by hanging scenario because it's just a natural reaction to do that. So like the three of us in this room know we all have medium to long hair. When you put a sweatshirt on or a scarf on or something on, you immediately Uh flip your hair out of your your around from around your neck. Even in a situation where a person is going to commit suicide in that in their natural state just in their mind they naturally pull their hair out from behind the rope and because her hair wasn't that was something that this woman Anne was like that's a huge red flag as a woman understanding that it's a woman's nature to do that so i found that very very incredibly interesting There was also a message written on the door of the room leading to the balcony where Rebecca's body was found. It was written in black paint and it read, she saved him. Can he save her? Get that. I never made sense of. Uh Uh-huh. In media comments, Sheriff Gore only stated that it was not a clear suicide note. However, investigators took it as further evidence of suicide. Rebecca liked to paint as a hobby and had signed her paintings in the past. And her siblings came forward and said that message didn't look like the way she wrote in paint. So it didn't look like her handwriting. 
According to AT&T cell phone records from about 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., Rebecca talked and texted with her older sister, who confirmed that their younger sister had arrived home safe to Missouri after her trip from staying with Rebecca. At 10.48 p.m., Rebecca received a text from Nina Romano, the twin sister of Jonah's ex-wife, Dina, wanting to stop by the house to talk about Max's Max's accident. Rebecca did not reply to the message. Um, They suspect that she possibly was in the shower when um, Nina had texted her. Police do say that Rebecca checked her voicemail a few hours later at 12.50 a.m. and listened to a message. It is very interesting. This whole like phone um, forensics is very interesting. So they can see that she listened to the message and deleted the message. And that was at 12.50 a.m. So they know at the very least she was alive at that time. Billing records do not show who left the message. Police state it was a message regarding the worsening of Max's condition, but declined to confirm at the time who left the message. So they know who did. So it was obviously somebody that they had questioned. Um, Her sister stated that police told her it was from Jonah Shacknai, so her boyfriend, which again, kind of makes sense. The message was deleted by Rebecca, meaning that the police and Rebecca's family had never heard the message. Family members and people close to Rebecca expressed doubt that she committed suicide. Her younger sister insisted that Becky did not commit suicide. My sister was murdered. Family members disputed police characterization of de- as Re- of Rebecca as depressed. So police kept insisting that she was depressed and riddled with guilt over what happened to Max in her care. Um, describing her... But her family was like, no, she was a happy person. Um, her sister mentioned that... Rebecca wasn't feeling guilt over what happened to Max because it was a genuine accident. She wasn't in the room. It was a freak accident. It could not have been avoided unless she was literally with him. There was nothing that she could have done. So, um, you know, that was mentioned in one of the articles I read. Her older sister also um, adds that the fact that Rebecca was nude is also incredibly out of character for Rebecca. She said, we are we were raised in modesty. Yes, she dressed herself well, but she was not the one who's going going to go out there and say, hey, look at me to the whole world. And that because Rebecca was Christian, she felt that suicide was wrong. So there's all of this just characterization of Rebecca as a person that none of the behavior of that night would make sense for her if it was truly death by suicide. So... <clears throat> There is also compelling evidence that points to the possibility that Rebecca was sexually assaulted prior to her death, and this was reexamined by a team of investigators for the Oxygen series, Death at the Mansion, Rebecca Zahow. Now, I did not watch this show. I'm going to have to go home and watch it But I'm going to have to go home and watch it because (laughs) former prosecutor Lonnie Coombs, journalist Billy Jensen. Jones and for Jensen. Who I put in parentheses, Nikki's dreamboat. Yes, 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 yes. And retired criminal investigator and Charlie's true true crime heartthrob, Paul Holes. Hot for Holes. (laughs) Took a look at this evidence. So, um, the original evidence investigators discovered there was two knives lying in the room, one of which was covered in Rebecca's menstrual blood. But the blood was found on all four sides of the knife's handle suggesting it may have been used in a sexual assault. Since, uh, correct. Thankfully, not the blade. Thankfully, it was the handle. Either way, awful. Either way, awful. How did... 
awful, awful. And of course, because it was uh, proven to be menstrual blood, it could only have come from one place on her body. So police maintain that the blood on the handle of the knife could have gotten there from Rebecca's own hands. But Paul Holes, who's amazing, um, questioned that the heavy blood encrustation seen in the grooves of the handle suggests that the blood did not simply come from her hands. So again, further solidifying that there's a good chance that it may have been inserted to be as polite as possible. Yeah. I'm going to take a sip of wine after that. What do you have the knife end then? Like, wouldn't you cut... Wouldn't the person cut themselves in the process of... Unless they had gloves on. Oh, if they have gloves, yeah. So... Paul Holes also mentions. <laughs> Paul Holes, he doesn't. He doesn't miss anything. Paul Holes also mentions that. Um, so let me get to this point, and then I will mention oh, yeah. what else Paul Holes says. I actually didn't write it down, but that Jovi brought up the fact that they may have been wearing gloves reminded me of this. So first, um, before I get to the the gloves part of it, black paint that matched the paint that was used to write the cryptic message on the door was also found on Rebecca's body, but it wasn't just like smeared on her body it was found only on the tip of one of her nipples and on the side of the nipple and the areola of the other breast as if somebody like tweaked and pinched her nipple it is important to note that had rebecca done this to herself black paint would have likely been on her hands or fingertips there was none Paul Holes also mentions that on her body there is traces of black paint and the patterning of the black paint on her body looks as though it could have been an outline of a glove. So um, to Jovi's point, to go back to what Nikki was saying, wouldn't a person who was sexually assaulting someone with a handle of a knife cut their hand from the blade if they had been wearing gloves, there may possibly be evidence that that person was indeed wearing gloves, which would also, we could also then understand why there's no DNA and or fingerprints from anybody else other than Rebecca present in the room. Jensen, Holes, and Coombs wrestled with, I know, I know. Uh, Jensen, Holes, and Coombs wrestled with whether Rebecca would have been able to bind her own hands behind her back before taking her life. So as mentioned earlier, the sheriff's department contends that they could have or that she could have and it would have been possible and they released that video that i had mentioned earlier to test the theory themselves jensen and coombs visited a bondage expert in an episode of the series and found that jensen managed to tie the same knot behind his back and he actually even says it wasn't that much of a challenge to be honest with you however when paul holes reviewed the knots he found differences between the knots tied by the sheriff's deputy and billy jensen and the one that was actually used to bind rebecca's hands in the police photo of rebecca's hands um so basic real quick basically what happened the way that the knot was it created like a figure eight okay and in the police photo of rebecca's hands the figure eight was at the top of the bindings while in both the sheriff's version and Billy Jensen's attempt, the figure eight was at the bottom, which made it easier for them to manipulate the rope themselves. So to quote Paul Holes, he said, how is she able to tie this figure eight knot while it's here? So do I have somebody else tying this knot? Hmm. 
So um, I'm going to ask my friends here in the room with me, Jovi and Nikki, what profession could somebody hold that would make them really, really good at tying knots? Um, more specifically, intricate knots. Boat. Boat. Okay. Like so, a captain. Like a captain. So I said, if you said sailor, boater, or, oh, I don't know, tugboat pilot, I would tend to agree with you. So... In their initial investigation, obviously, they um, the police seized within the house all technology evidence. So computers, cell phones, etc. to look for clues. On the phone belonging to Adam Shacknai, tugboat pilot and finder of Rebecca's body, they find evidence that over the night of Rebecca's death, somebody, and I'm using quotes so that way Adam Shacknai doesn't uh, sue me. Somebody searched terms like sexy Asian girls and bondage anime. So, you know, as mentioned a few episodes ago, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. <laughs> if that's what he's into, more power to him. Uh, truthfully, if that's what you're into, bro, you do you. But the sheer coincidence of him looking at that type of explicit material on his phone the same night that Rebecca, an Asian woman, dies tied up in an intricate web of ropes is incredibly suspicious. Incredibly suspicious. So Adam did admit to looking at pornography on the night in question. um, But of course, he did not admit to what type of pornography he looked at on the night in question. And Adam also did the thing on his 911 call that like boils my fucking blood. And that is referring to Rebecca, not by her name, but as the woman. So his, he starts his 911 call with, yeah, we got a woman here who's hanging something along those lines. I, I've like, heard it's just, it. It's like, so it's, gross. Yeah. It's just so gross. I like, have a really hard time listening to 911 calls because like, especially when I know that the person's done it. Right. It like, or you, just, believe that the person's done it or yeah sorry rewind i believe if you believe that the person's done it or you know that the person you find out like the person has done it right right. you're 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 just kind of like it it makes you uneasy yeah oh for sure and i just when he was questioned later on about the 911 call like well why did you refer to her like that and not her name and he's like well she is a woman like the very like flippant attitude I think is what also didn't help his case and the fact that people suspected him because apparently not only through the investigation but also after everything he was very flippant about about the entire scenario um which I'll get to later on it's just very aggravating um in 2013 mm-hmm. yeah it's very very frustrating in 2013 the Zahao family filed a wrongful wrongful death suit against Nina Dina and Adam Shacknai claiming that they were responsible for Rebecca's death and that Rebecca was beaten bound gagged and then thrown over the balcony railing the case against Nina and Dina would eventually be dropped as they both had solid alibis so Dina was at the hospital there was video footage of her there at the hospital where Max was and Nina was at Dina's house watching her house while she was away at the hospital and there was actually neighbors who witnessed her there uh, during the night of the murder so they had definite solid alibis Um, and due to Adam's proximity to Rebecca his general suspicious nature and the fact that you know he's a 
person who can tie knots. Um, he was the main focus. He was the main focus of the case. Did I just unplug both of the microphones? No? Okay, good. Uh, main focus of the case. The attorney for the Zahao family even held a press conference. And during that press conference, the lawyer publicly apologized to both Nina and Dina, which is very unusual for a lawyer to do that oh, yeah. for the the person who's on the other side. But I... I think that was awesome that he did yeah, that. I mean, like, they had, they sorry. Had went through so much. Yeah, like, exactly. Like you guys have been through enough. Sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. my bad. Um, the civil trial for the wrongful death began in February, 2018. Oh yeah. Civil trial, Jeez. civil trials. Rarely. I couldn't say that. I'm like, civil trials. Civil trials rarely result. There's a lot of R's there rarely result in incarceration (laughs) civil trials rarely result in incarceration say that 10 times fast if a defendant is found guilty and usually it will only result in like monetary punishments the reason this was a civil trial and not a criminal trial is of course because the san diego police department maintained that rebecca's death was a suicide and not a murder they were not willing to reopen the case at that time. The family was not doing this for the money. They knew that Adam was not wealthy like his brother. They knew that they weren't going to get much out of Adam, right? But what they wanted to do was prove that he was responsible for her death with the hopes that one day it would allow the case to reopen and he would be put in prison. So, for example, I don't know why I put this in here, but I thought it was just interesting to note. It's completely unrelated, but I put it in my notes, so I'm going to read it because it's interesting. For example, though O.J. Simpson was found not guilty of murdering Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman in the criminal case, he was found responsible for their deaths in a civil case brought on by the families of the victims and the Goldman and Brown families received monetary damages from O.J. As a result of the guilty verdict and his two children that he shared with Nicole also received money from him in that as well until he went to jail. So OJ anyway, I don't know, whatever. I just felt it was interesting to talk about the difference between criminal and civil suits mm-hmm. and bring OJ into it. Cause you know, why not? Anyway, we're almost done. So when Adam testifies in his trial, he claims that he did not know how to tie those types of knots used to bind Rebecca's body, that he had never tied those types of knots before, and he never used them on the tugboat. So, okay. Regardless of there being... <laughs> sure, Jan. Uh, regardless of there being no DNA or other physical evidence to put Adam in the room with Rebecca, the jurors did determine that Adam was responsible in the death of Rebecca Zahau and that he was to award the Zahau family over $50 million in damages. Um, Adam always denied the allegations and even tried to appeal the decision, of course. Um, in the press, he actually called the Zahau family a bunch of posers. It, he's trash the worst okay so (laughs) the case was eventually reopened by san diego police department but they found once again in december 2018 that the cause of death for rebecca zahow was suicide by hanging so Uh that is where the story is at this time um it is an incredibly awful sad and Mm -hmm. frustrating story i hope that the zahow family and the shackney family have been able to find some peace after the deaths of both Rebecca and Max. And that are those are the deaths of the Spreckles mansion. That case always upset me. Always upsets me. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's heavy. That heavy. It's a big mm-hmm. one. And like, it's just, it's one of those ones that kind of pop up every once in a while. 
I definitely do really want to watch the Oxygen show. Uh, and not just yeah. because of Billy and Paul. Uh, I really want to watch it for Billy and Paul. Mostly be because of Billy and Paul. <laughs> um, but no, I this case just always fascinated me. Um, and honestly, when I saw that Bailey had done an episode on this, uh, she tells the story really well, too. So if you have a chance to watch her YouTube video on the story, I highly recommend it. It's great. Um, but yeah. So rest in peace to Rebecca, or I guess as her family calls her Becky, rest in peace to Max, that poor baby. Mm-hmm. I just can't even imagine that just the trauma from that family. And I mean, truthfully, I feel bad for Jonah Shacknai. I mean, you know, his, his girlfriend who from all reports and anything that he said, he really, truly did seem to really love Rebecca. Um, he even wrote a letter to the state's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? attorney general attorney general's office asking for them to reopen the case like he he's i mean he funded his brother's trial i can't imagine how torn he must feel right i mean this is his brother who he loves who he supports this is his girlfriend who he loved his son died like the the trauma of jonah shack and i all of that correct correct and again i don't know this man so i don't know i mean you know i don't you know but imagine. whatever but i can imagine truly um a, a person having to go through that if they have any type of a decent heart how traumatizing and torn they must feel by all of it so mm-hmm. uh sorry to that man and uh my condolences to him and uh yeah so that is this week's bed crime story yeah golf clap golf clap all right well guys Another episode of Bad Crime Stories has come to an end. Um, we love you all. Again, I want to give another gav another. I want to give. I want to. I want to give another thank you to Nelly for the delicious wine that thank obviously you, is causing me to not speak correctly. Um, you bomb girl, and I'll see you in March. <laughs> um, but again, thank you to all of our listeners. We love you guys so, so, so much. Um, I still don't have any emails in my inbox. Just saying. Nothing's there. Um, so shoot us an email. Bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. I want to answer some emails. I want to say hey. I want to talk. I want to be friends. I want to talk. I want to be friends with you. We have been stuck in quarantine. We need friends. Yeah, we need more friends. And we, we make friends. sure that we respond to all of your messages on Instagram if we can. And we, we definitely uh, respond to all of your comments on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And we appreciate all of the follows and the likes and the shares and all that stuff. So Instagram and Twitter is at Bed Crime Stories. Email, like I said, is at bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, share with a friend. Uh, Make sure you're leaving reviews. We appreciate those as well. Um, And yeah, we love you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Have a great afternoon, evening, day, morning, wherever you are. Uh, Whatever time it might be. I don't know. Um, We'll talk to you next week. But until then, sweet sweet dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.